And so let's read from Scripture again, uh, this time from Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, as we read Jesus coming into Jerusalem on that day all those years ago. From verse 28, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And we thank God for his word to us today. Well, today is Palm Sunday with a difference, I suppose. I remember on Palm Sunday last year at MCNE, Crossroad came and we had a great time of worship over at the chapel. And I remember the power kept going out. Every time the band kind of got into it, the power would cut. It was crazy, but we had a great time of worship. And uh, normally on this day, we have palm leaves all over our churches. We hand out crosses made of leaves. And of course, we gather, we celebrate in great crowds, much like they did on that day when Jesus made his entry into Jerusalem. But not today. Today we're in lockdown, right? All over the world people are in lockdown. We can't hug. We can't shake hands. Uh, we're even supposed to keep two meters or so apart. Uh, if we do go to the shops and see other people, don't get too close. I was paging through our celebration book to look for some songs for us to sing today. And I found a song called Kiri Eleison, which is about suffering and struggle. And I thought I'll choose this. But then I looked at verse 2. And verse 2 said this, Walk among them, I'll go with you, reach out to them with my hands. And I thought, okay, we can't sing that. We can't sing that in a time of lockdown and social distancing. And so instead, what did we sing? We sang, I come to the garden alone, which was kind of appropriate. But jokes aside, really, what a situation we find ourselves in. What a crisis. For many of you, you've gone 10 days without seeing another human being in the flesh without touching another human being. And yes, we have our video calls, we have our WhatsApp, we have all these amazing things over technology. I know a lot of people have met on the Zoom app to still have conferences and so on. And it's great. We're so grateful for it. But oh man, isn't it going to be nice to actually see another human being in the flesh? 
there's an old Methodist hymn that says, And are we yet alive and see each other's face? And I think we're going to sing that the first day that we meet again in the flesh. It's going to be great. The coronavirus just seems to be spreading through the world even now. It's, it's just keeping on. The numbers in many countries keep climbing. And some have said, oh, this is a sure sign of the end times, right? Others have said it's all just a big conspiracy, that none of it is real. It's crazy. You don't know what to believe anymore. You don't know what's real news and what's fake news. You don't know what to send on to people anymore because there's so much nonsense being shared. What a time. What a time. And as I read the story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem, I remember earlier in the week I thought, how does this fit into the reality of today? What on earth does this story have to say to you and I in 2020 dealing with COVID? It seemed so separated from our reality at first. But the more I read it and the more I prayed and asked God to reveal what he wanted you to hear today, I began to notice some things in the story that I think are actually fitting and true for us all these years later. And so let me share these thoughts with you. And the first is this, that Jesus enters into times of crisis. Remember that song, From a Distance? Terrible song. What a horrible song. It was written by Julie Gold. It was Bette Midler and then later Cliff Richard who actually made it famous. Listen to these words. From a distance you look like my friend, even though we are at war. From a distance I just cannot comprehend what all this fighting's for. From a distance there is harmony and it echoes throughout the land. You know, we're doing social distancing at the moment and maybe in a sense it's true that we've, we've distanced ourselves from one another and so there's less chance of conflict. But that's a, terrible, that's a terrible thing to say that it's only from a distance that we can have no war. And then the chorus makes it even worse and it just destroys the song. Possibly the worst song lyrics ever written. God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. Terrible, terrible theology. The idea of God zooming out on the earth so that he doesn't have to see the pain and the suffering. It's just so wrong. You see, the whole story of scripture is actually God entering into our struggles. The whole story is God saying, I will come and be with you in the crisis that you're going through. I will come and be with you in the trenches. And Jesus that day, when he entered into Jerusalem, was facing a certain crisis. He knew that before the end of that week, he would be betrayed by his friends. He would be abandoned. He would be arrested. He would be beaten and tortured unfairly. You'd be left to die on a cross. But you see, he entered in anyway. He decided to still go into that time of crisis because that very crisis was going to change the world forever. Do you know today that God enters into our crisis even now? Do you know that even our COVID-19 world is a world that Jesus enters into willingly he comes and he enters into each one of our homes, each one of our villages and complexes to be with us. He enters into each hospital and each clinic around the world fighting this thing. He's not watching COVID-19 from a distance, friends. He's not. 
he's entered into our world and into our crisis to journey with us. And where God enters, transformation follows, sometimes slowly, sometimes not at the rate we want it to, but transformation follows wherever Jesus enters. He can and he will bring transformation into the world, even in spite of this crisis, friends. And hear this today, he can and will bring transformation to you and into your heart if you let him in. He can enter into your heart today, friends, if you open the door. He can come to your crisis, your fear, your anxiety, your frustration, your restlessness, even your boredom. <laughs> he can enter into those crises in your life. No crisis is too big or too messy or too embarrassing even for Jesus to enter into. There's that old Christmas song that says, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. And so know today that he has entered in, friends, and if you'll open up the door to your heart, he will enter in and take control. Now secondly, note this, that Jesus enters with his people. We read that as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. He arrives and he comes with his friends, his followers. And notice what he does. He sends the disciples off to do some work for him. He sends them off to go and find a cult and to prepare things and to get things ready for what he's about to do. Now, maybe it's just me, but this is a little strange at first. I mean, why didn't Jesus just do that by himself? Why didn't Jesus say to his disciples, I'll be, I'll be right back, <laughs> and then he go and organize all those little details himself. I mean, he could have done it, and he was the type of guy who normally did the menial jobs and you know, didn't think himself above such things. So why? Why didn't he do it? I mean, it could have even been an opportunity for him to meet with that family or those people and share the good news with them. But he doesn't do it that way. Instead, he has his people do the job for him. He doesn't do it as a bossy master, just bossing them around. He does it as a leader. He does it as a servant leader, giving his people purpose and something to do. Here's what I'm trying to say. Jesus doesn't just call us to sit on our hands as he does all the work. Jesus calls us to go and do the work of God on his behalf. He sends us out with a purpose. He sends us to do God's work rather than just leaving us to watch him do it all. In fact, many times in the Gospels, Jesus tells the people that he is the light of the world. That's why we often light candles uh, at the beginning of worship services to symbolize that he is the light and no darkness can overcome his light. But there was one time on the Sermon on the Mount where he said this to the people, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You and I are the light of the world now. It's as if Jesus was saying, you, my people, are going to be carrying the flame for me. I will give you my light, and you now are to take it to the world. 
Yes, friends, we are now the ones carrying the torch. We are his representatives. We are his witnesses. We are his messengers in this time. Are we doing it? Are we going to fetch the cult, so to speak, for Jesus, doing his work? What could you be doing in this lockdown for God? What could you be doing to see that God's light is shone into the darkness? Are you reading the Bible with your family, praying for them in this time? Are you building up your home spiritually now that you have an opportunity to spend this time with your family? Are you interceding and praying for those who are struggling, praying for those who've been affected by this virus? Are you interceding for our doctors and nurses and our medical people who are at the forefront of this whole crisis? Are you phoning around those who are lonely? Are you phoning the people in your life who you know could just do with a bit of encouragement? Are you checking in with the people in your life who might be struggling? Are you showing kindness and love to people? Are you, are you sowing love into the world? Or are you maybe spreading more fear by, by spreading all sorts of other things across your social media and across your WhatsApp and so on? We are his light, friends. We are his hands and his feet in the world. We may be in lockdown, but we are not to lie around and say, well, God's going to take care of this and we'll just wait for that to happen. We are to share his love, his power, and his light in this time. And so, yes, friends, Jesus enters into this crisis, but he enters in with you and I to be his people. Will you assist? Will you go and do the work that Christ has called you to do even though you're in lockdown? We're still on a mission, friends, even though it's lockdown. Let's go and share God's love in this time. Now thirdly, I want to note this, that Jesus enters into the crisis, but he does so on God's terms. You know, the crowd was expecting Jesus to do certain things as he came into the town, but he ended up doing things God's way instead. You know, my grandfather was big into his cowboy books, and I ended up reading them. I think I was the only kid in primary school reading Louis L'Amour and Zane Grey. I also didn't have many friends, and maybe there's a connection there. I don't know. <laughs> but I was, I was big into my cowboy books as I was growing up, and so I was kind of tickled by this article by a guy named Roger Griffith. It's called Not the Lone Ranger, but the Lone Savior. It goes like this. It was Palm Sunday, and Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. He was riding on a blazing white stallion and kicking up a cloud of dust as he rode along. He was looking for trouble. The people that he passed on his way were in awe of such a beautiful animal, but they were even more awestruck by the man who was riding it. As Jesus passed by, you could hear the people say, Who is that masked man? There were bad guards on the loose, and Jesus had a job to do. As he rode into Jerusalem, he quickly sized up the situation and formed a plan to capture the ringleader of the troublemakers. His name was Diablo, or Satan. There was a short scuffle, and Jesus won handily over Diablo. He hogtied the devil and threw him in jail. And as a large crowd of people gathered to see all the commotion, Jesus mounted his horse and pulled on the reins. The stallion stood on its hind legs, neighed loudly, and pawed the air with its front legs. And when it stood as tall as it could stand, Jesus leaned forward in the saddle, holding the reins with one hand while lifting up his white hat in the air with the other. He shouted with a loud voice, It is finished! 
And he rode off into the sunset with the William Tell overture in the background. Da 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 da. Oh man, silly stuff. If only, right? If only that's what happened. And that's what the people, I think, were expecting when Jesus came in that day. They wanted Jesus to come and conquer the way they thought he was going to. But Jesus was no cowboy. He was a humble man of God and he did things God's way and not the people's way, even though it got him killed. In fact, Jesus not only contrasts the Lone Ranger, but his entry into Jerusalem was actually a direct contrast to the way Herod used to enter Jerusalem once a year. Once a year around the time of the Passover, Herod would also enter into Jerusalem in a big procession. He would come from the east. Jesus, on the other hand, came from the west. Herod would come on a big war horse and he would come with all his soldiers. Jesus, on the other hand, came in on a donkey and he came with a bunch of unarmed disciples. Herod's purpose was to demonstrate his power and his dominion. Jesus' purpose was to demonstrate the peace of God. Here's what I want to say to you today. Many people are expecting Jesus to act like King Herod or like the Lone Ranger as we face this current crisis. They want him to come in to this crisis in, in power and in dominion and shout victory over this virus and demolish this virus with power and with dominion. But you see, the way of Jesus was not war, horses and swords. The way of Jesus was donkeys and dust and fishermen. The people shouted Christ's praise when he came in. They were saying Hosanna, which means save. They were expecting him to save them from the Romans who were dominating them at the time. And so they worshipped him in hope that he was going to dominate and conquer. But Jesus didn't do what they wanted. He did what God wanted. And you know what happened when the Christ... When the crowds figured that out, they, they called for his blood. They said, crucify him by the end of the week because they didn't do what, he didn't do what they wanted him to do. He did God's plan instead. You know, as we face this crisis, a lot of people are expecting their preachers to stand up and say, we declare victory over COVID in the name of Jesus. None of us will be hurt by this pandemic. The blood of Jesus protects us from all harm and so God will conquer. But what I've learned, friends, is that sometimes good people do get sick. What I've learned is that sometimes even godly people do die in unfair ways. What I've learned is that sometimes good people of God get all sorts of tragedies in their lives. Much like the people of Jesus' day who had to learn that Jesus wasn't just going to come and topple all their problems in power. We need to learn that Jesus isn't necessarily just going to ride into the crisis to topple it and to proclaim his power and dominion. That's not what Jesus did. He did something totally different. He promised to just be with the people and journey with them through the crisis and to never leave them or forsake them. And he promises the same to you and I today. Jesus comes to COVID-19 on a donkey, not on a war horse. 
And he promises us one thing, not necessarily to make the pain go away, although he might do that. But he promises us without a doubt to be with us even in this time of crisis. The big question is, friends, are you still going to worship him if things don't go the way you're hoping? Will you still say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord when things get bleak? Will you still say Hosanna if your health deteriorates? Will you still say Hosanna when somebody you know gets sick? Will you still say Hosanna, praise God, even if your wealth disappears and if your business disappears? Or will you turn your back on him like the crowds did and say crucify him, kill this Jesus, get him out of here because he's not going to dominate the way we think he does? Jesus enters, friends, but he does things not on your terms or mine. He does them on God's terms. Trust him, though, would you? Trust him that even though he doesn't do things the way you and I might think, he's doing what's best. Even though he might not be the savior you're expecting, friends, he's the savior that you and I need. He is good. He is worthy. He is faithful. We read it in our psalm this morning. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. His love endures even through the hard times. And so friends, even though this might not be the way you expect it to be, praise God anyway. Because he knows what he's doing and we can trust in him. Lastly today I want to note this, that Jesus enters into the crisis with tears. With tears. Luke says this, Uh, In verse 41 to 44, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, "If, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Then Jesus talks about the tragedy that was coming to Jerusalem just a few years later. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. And here it is, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. As Jesus enters our world with COVID-19 sweeping through all directions, I believe he sees it all, friends, and he weeps. He weeps at the pain. He weeps at the suffering. He weeps at the death that he sees. He weeps at all the loss. He weeps at the tears that are being shed by so many people around the world. But notice what he said as he wept, looking over Jerusalem. He said this, If you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. If you'd only known. He wept that in the crisis that the people were about to face, they wouldn't have peace because they didn't know him. They were going to have missed Jesus and so instead of peace in their time of trouble, they were going to be filled with fear and dread and anxiety. It's as if Palm Sunday was one great missed opportunity for the people to finally find Jesus, the one person who could get them through their difficult times. What about us today? What about us? Will Jesus end up weeping because you and I missed him during the lockdown? 
Will Jesus look at South Africa and weep because the people are filled with fear and dread instead of turning to him and finding peace? Will Jesus weep because he sees our anxiety overwhelm us when we could have found his peace and invited him in to our lives even in this time? Oh friends, don't leave this crisis further from God than when it began. Don't leave it even in the same place you were before the crisis. If ever we had an opportunity to invite Jesus into our lives, it's now in this time of lockdown. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in worship. Spend time getting to know this God who loves you so much. Don't waste it, friends. Don't waste it like the people did that day. And so, yes, friends, just as Jesus entered into a crisis when he rode into Jerusalem, Jesus has entered into this crisis even now. And he's entered with a calling on our lives, a calling for you and I to be his hands and feet and to share his love in the world. He's entered in on God's terms. Things might not turn out the way we want. But, oh, let's not waste this opportunity and end up shouting, crucify him by the end of this. Let's draw near like never before. Let's invite him into our hearts and our homes. And even with tears in our eyes, friends, let's shout Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord because he is still our God and we still trust him. Now I want to close the service with a song which was written by Viv Harris and Liz Trimble. Many of you will know those names from Northfield many years ago. And Viv wrote this song as South Africa was coming out of apartheid. And it was a crisis. People were panic buying. People thought that the country was going to be at war and so they kind of stashed up and stayed in their homes for a while. There was much fear. And you know, these words were written into that time saying, Lord of our future, we trust in you. And so listen to these words, would you? And may they speak into our time of crisis even today.
to share this new nation that is held in your hand. We give God the glory, we worship the Son, we honor the Spirit who makes us all one. We pray that you'll build us by the power of your hand, a true Christian people in a true Christian land. So come, let's just pray as we close the service. Lord, thank you. Thank you for entering into our crisis. Thank you that you don't watch from a distance, but you come in, you get involved. Oh God, we trust you. We trust that you are the very Savior that we need you to be. And oh God, even if you do things differently to what we expect, we trust and we believe that you are working all things for the good of those who are called by your name. Lord, we pray for this crisis. We pray for those who are sick and suffering from this virus and from all illnesses. Lord, we ask you to heal and make them whole by your powerful hand. Lord, we pray for those who are in isolation and in quarantine, those who are lonely. Oh God, be at their side, we pray, to cheer and comfort them in this time of stress. We pray, Lord, for our doctors our nurses, our medical researchers, those who are doing all they can to bring an end to this problem and to treat those who are struggling. We pray for supernatural strength for those people, Lord. We pray that you would help them to work with all the compassion and care that they can. Thank you for them, Lord. Lord, we pray for this country. We pray for South Africa. Africa. Lord, save Africa. We lift up our politicians and our president. We pray that you would guide them to make good decisions, decisions that put the well-being of the people first. Lord, we pray for our, our Imseni family. We pray for each person who calls this place of grace home. We pray that their homes would be places of grace as they worship here and as they just sit trying to figure out this whole situation. We pray for everyone Every one of them, Lord, would you bless them, would you care for them, would you hold them in the palm of your hand. Pray for each person watching this video, Lord, that you would calm them, give them a sense of assurance that you are here with them in this problem. Lord, we offer ourselves to you in this time. We know that you've called us to live lives of, of radical love and grace and compassion. We know, Lord, that you still have a mission to draw all people to yourself. And so we commit, Lord, to being your hands and your feet in the world in the week to come. And so, Lord, thank you that we can go now in peace and in power to continue singing Hosanna wherever we are and to share your love however we can in this world that so desperately needs it. And so, God, our Father, Jesus, our Savior, and Holy Spirit, our empowerer. Go with us now. And may your blessing be on each of us, we pray. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.